0: Welcome back to Horoscope Witch. It's Mal. And you guys, did you even recognize me? (laughs) Did you even recognize this podcast when you clicked on it? I bet you didn't because I have a new logo and I'm so excited about it and it's so cute. Uh, So first shout out, I have a couple of shout outs um, that I want to give before we get into the New moon, happy new moon by the way. Um but first shout out Libby. Um Libby is the artist who created my new logo and it seriously makes me feel like a real podcaster now. <laughs> Even though I am a real podcaster, I'm just like I feel I feel like I actually have like a legitimate podcast now. So thank you so much actually Libby and I, we met through kind of a serendipitous way where um, I was just at the shop and I think Libby was somewhere in the area uh, and she felt a call to (laughs) Google either, I think she either Googled like metaphysical shops in this area or tarot reader in this area and she stumbled upon shop that i work at she walked right in i didn't have an appointment at that time so she we got to do a reading together and i just felt like it was the stars aligned for us and and i'm so happy that we got to collaborate and i just i love the i love the logo so if you guys are looking for a fabulous artist uh, who is extremely talented to design a custom logo for your business or whatever it may be, I will forever from going forth have all of Libby's information in the show notes if you ever want to work with her I highly recommend her and also if you just want to follow her on Instagram because she's just a really cool artist and it makes me feel cool that I get to read for an artist (laughs) and uh yeah and then the there's another thing last week was just like the peak of my career I think (laughs) got a new logo and then um my next shout out I hope you don't mind me shouting you out miss lauren uh from Alabama but um let me preface this guys with so how do I put this basically if you work with me over the internet like you you maybe you've bought a reading from me on Etsy or have had an astrology reading with me or whatever it may be, um, you found me from this podcast, right? Like that's the that's the the order of things. Like you listen to this podcast, you vibe with me on some level and then you may feel called to work with me online, right? Um so I know that all of my online clients are like from my podcast. So they know I'm a podcaster. Uh, whereas, if you work with me in person, actually, I'm pretty sure like 95% of the people <laughs> that work with me in person like have no idea I have a podcast. <laughs> like, they just find me from walking into the shop. And some of those clients will then um, maybe follow me on Instagram or like figure out that I have a podcast after the fact. But I've never had like someone come into the shop in person and be like, I found Mallory from Horoscope Witch, like can I read with her? Yeah, I've never had that happen until <laughs> until last week. Um Miss Lauren from Alabama, she was visiting um the Chicago land area for a work trip. I think it was a work training and uh she probably sat in like 45 minutes of like Chicago rush hour traffic in an Uber to like get to the shop I work at and um, we got to read together and it was like, it meant so much to me that someone from Horoscope Witch would would visit like the Chicagoland area and then like think of me and come seek guidance or come come one want, wanting to get a reading from me so it meant so much to me Lauren so thank you so much for coming in and in the future if anybody who listens to this does happen to be in the Chicagoland area and um uh, granted the the shop I work at's a little bit out of the way from like the downtown area it's more in the suburbs but if anybody ever wants to come visit me um <laughs> Just let me know. Just send me a DM on Instagram. And if you guys do ever come into the shop, never feel pressured to get a reading with me. You can certainly just come in and say hi. And um, yeah, so I'm feeling I'm feeling like my career has peaked <laughs> after last week. Uh, so thank you guys so much. Thank you for continuing to listen. Thank you for all the reviews. Thank you for the DMs on Instagram thank you for the likes um just thank you for continuing to listen okay enough of that uh so happy new moon in sagittarius it is the morning of the new moon and i am recording this and i hope to for the stars to align where I can post this podcast exactly (laughs) at 10 a.m. when the new moon goes exact. Just kidding. I don't know if I'll be that good, but maybe it will happen that way. Uh, Regardless, uh, if you are listening to this on Tuesday, uh, November 26th, November 26th, November 25th. Um, if you're, if you're listening to this on the day of the new moon, that's totally cool. But if you don't get to listening to this, um, until later or much later after the new moon has already passed, uh, just know that I I've been setting the intention that whenever you get to listening to this podcast, is when you are meant to listen to it. So time is is an illusion. <laughs> uh, time does not exist in the same way in the spiritual world. So. If you, I just have, um, have faith that you guys will listen to this in the exact right timing that you do need to listen, that you feel the need to listen to this, um, new moon sermon. Uh, so what are the, what are the logistics? What's the astrology of this new moon so the sun and moon are going to be conjunct in Sagittarius at 4 degrees Sagittarius. So if you're wondering where this new moon is going to be landing in your personal natal chart, um go go ahead and pull that up. You can locate which house um that this new moon is, is going to be taking place in if you find the part of your chart that's ruled by Sagittarius. Um, specifically, if you have any planets between, let's say, 0 and 7 degrees Sagittarius, this this new moon will be conjuncting those planets. So you'll be feeling this more intensely. If you have any planets... That are between 0 and 7 degrees Pisces or Sagittarius, this new moon will be squaring um, those planets. So you may be feeling this new moon in a little bit more of an intense way. It might be bringing up some internal conflicts depending on which planets are this new moon is squaring. Um, if you have any planets between zero and seven degrees, uh, Gemini, then this new moon will be opposing those planets. So you may be feeling some push and pull, some back and forth, some love and hate (laughs) with this new moon. And then if you have any planets between zero and seven, Degrees Leo or Aries, this new moon will be trining those planets. So you may feel this is an especially good time, an especially optimistic time to, to use this new moon's energy to your advantage. Um, and regardless of where this new moon is landing in your chart, um, I think that I have titled this new moon the Vision Board Moon. <laughs> By the way, I've—I don't think I've ever made a vision board in my life, and I find the practice of making a vision board maybe a little bit cheesy. Uh, but regardless, I've been kind of drawn to do it, and I'm like, could this really work? Like, I've never tried it, but I think—I don't know. You guys, tell me: um, Have you ever made a vision board, and has it helped you actually manifest what you're trying to manifest? Um, regardless, I think this new moon. Overall, the energy, it's a great time to manifest what's coming for 2020. It's a great time to write intentions. It's a great time to make a vision board. Um, And really, when we think of the Sagittarius archetype, the The Sagittarius um, archetype is about the long journey ahead. It's about the quest. So there's kind of a flavor to this this new moon where it's sort of okay if we're setting very long-term intentions, if that makes sense. I don't think this is the kind of new moon where We're kind of like, all right, let's write down all the shit we got to get done by the end of the year. This is bada bing, bada boom. No, no, I'm not feeling that for this one. I feel like these are very long term things that we're thinking about. Um, Some of the intentions that we may set on this Sagittarius new moon may take us years to actually get to. um, And that may sound depressing to you. (laughs) because I think in our society we're so conditioned to want to get to the end goal. We want to figure out how to get to the end goal as quickly and efficiently as possible. But I I will invite you to kind of resist the urge to just focus on the end goal during this new moon. This new moon isn't about that necessarily. It is about our goals, but it's about our goals in the sense of um, like the wheel of fortune card. It's about setting our intentions about what we intend to manifest over the next couple years where we think we are shooting our arrow but then we're allowing um god or the universe or spirit whatever you call them our higher self, we're allowing our higher self to sort of, um, we're shooting the arrow and the arrow, we're going to launch the arrow and we're going to allow spirit to sort of blow the wind, uh, to where that arrow is actually going to go. So there is a sense of this new moon that although we are making intentions, we are making goals, we're still involving spirit in these things. And part of involving spirit in our lives is trusting that they will get us where we are meant to be, regardless if that was our original image (laughs) or our original intention they will get us there or they will get us somewhere even bigger and better than we we could have imagined so i know it does kind of sound cheesy like and there is sort of um i think something that's hard for me to marinate with in the spiritual community is like the um the The kind of notion that we're supposed to set these goals and then set the intentions burn them and then forget about them (laughs) like that just never works for me right like I've never been good at that I've never been good at detaching myself from the outcome I've never been good at like truly like forgetting and quote-unquote like let go let God I've never been good at that because I'm such a control freak (laughs) and I really want to take the wheel and I really want to steer my manifestation where I want it but we do have to remember that um we gotta let spirit meet us halfway with all of the things that we are wanting so it actually and it's coming to me in this moment um you know although we're writing down our intentions and our goals we have to remember about what we do have to remember is to not get stuck in the specifics. Um, Maybe it's not about writing down, I would like to own my own metaphysical shop on the corner of Of Washington and Adams Street and um, this metaphysical shop will be two floors and I will have four readers and um, like I don't think we're talking about those types of goals and I think we do want to let go of specifics at this moment Um, whereas I think the best goals that we can set and the best intentions that we can set right now are more um, general things like I want to feel great going into my workplace. I want to feel like I'm walking into work and I'm going to be of service to as many people as I possibly can. Um, And as I'm saying this, the card uh, Six of Pentacles is coming to me. So Six of Pentacles reminds us like, give exactly the amount that we can give do not give more and do not give less than that amount. so that would be a great goal I would like to give and be of service the exact amount that I can that I that I physically mentally and spiritually can Um, so different things may be coming to us at the moment but Remember that this new moon, it's about the quest. It's about walking our path and the way in which our path is very long. We have, I mean, we have a lot of years ahead of us. <laughs> There's a lot of things that uh, that are going to happen that we don't necessarily know about in this moment. And it's reminding me of the Sagittarius archetype. Um, excuse me, uh, the Sagittarius archetype, which is ruled by like the legs and the thighs. That's the part of the body that Sagittarius rules. So it's about walking our path and the way in which we choose to walk our path. And there are, um, there are many routes that we can take. And there are many ways to get to the same destination, Um, But some of those ways are going to be harder. They're going to be the hard way. We may feel more exhausted or our muscles may be way more strained on this one path versus another path where we're kind of skipping down the road. Like we're the fool card and we're just leaping over cliffs with our little our little sack and our stick and our dog and we're just having a great time. So spirit is kind of asking us to where we are about to embark on sort of this long road ahead, this quest, the Sagittarius quest. How do you want to feel walking through this quest? Are you going to feel exhausted? Are you going to feel full of suffering? Are you going to feel like every day you're like walking through mud Or is it going to be a little bit of a happier and easier journey, and how do we get to that kind of journey well there has to be some aspect of trust in spirit there has to be some aspect of let go and let God Um, I'm manifesting and I'm doing my work but I'm letting God meet me halfway notice when we try to completely take over and have all the control and not let spirit intervene where they're trying to intervene then our lives actually get harder we feel like we're walking through mud um. So, I think that also going back to the idea that this new moon, it is about setting intentions, but it's not necessarily about fixating on the end goal. I think that think about um, think about someone you know. It it may be, it may be a parent, maybe a relative, whoever it may be, someone you know that. It's sort of like they're in such a rush to arrive at the end of the quest, and notice how um, actually I think society sort of rushes us to arrive at the end of the quest. Like, um, like there are certain points in the quote-unquote quest that they we have to fulfill. Like, we have to, you know, go to college, get married, have two kit two point five kids. Um, <laughs> Uh, have a job, retire at this age, and then there's like a feeling of after every time we quote-unquote fulfill one of these end goals, there's such a feeling of dissatisfaction because we're not going on the quest to enjoy the journey. We're not going on the quest to enjoy the experience. We're going on the quest to fulfill all of these goals but really like once we fulfill a goal uh, there's always an aspect of what's next Uh, there's such an illusion that if we get to this or we get to that or if we arrive at this point we're going to be done Uh, and we'll just be able to relax after we get to this point yet after every time we get to an end goal there's never that moment right It, it is just kind of an illusion And I think this new moon is also reminding us, go on the journey just to freaking go on the journey, you know, go on the journey just to experience life and to learn something new. What does Sagittarius want? Sagittarius wants to learn something new. They want to discover the truth. They don't feel that um, the experience, it's almost like they don't have expectations of what the experience may be to them. They're just happy to experience what comes along. Uh, And that's sort of the energy that I feel from this new moon too. It it is, again, it is an intention setting kind of new moon, but it's, it's unique in the sense of Spirit is not asking us to set these very specific end goal intentions. They're asking us to just kind of set the intention to to again go on the journey. So, um, and then I also felt like intuitively that you know, as a as a witch, you know, our New Year is Halloween. It's Samhain. So October thirty first is the witch's New Year. And then as everybody knows the muggle new year is January 1st. So as a witch I often feel like in limbo between Halloween and between new years. It's like this two months two month period where I'm really marinating about what what the next year is going to bring. And even though I like really do want halloween to sort of be my version of the new year um for some reason like it just can't officially feel like it's the new year until january comes you know so i think these two months are reminding us that even though the Sagittarius new moon is today there's really no rush to set these intentions. It's okay to marinate with these feelings. It's okay to think about what we're trying to bring in. It's okay to take our time. There's really no rush and we should take our time and we should really think and feel into and communicate with you know our each one of our chakras actually spirit is telling me like ask the crown chakra is this in alignment ask the third eye ask the throat ask the heart ask this ask the solar ask, ask the sacral ask the root like does this feel in alignment so we're really asking our bodies too about what what does our body think about our manifestation our mind could be like excellent sounds great let's do it and then our body has a completely different answer and we wonder why we manifest things at times and we get to the end goal of the manifestation we feel dissatisfied it might be because our mind and our body were not on board together it, it probably was because our mind was very much on board with what we were trying to do and thus we did it but our our body probably felt like eh, this isn't so good because uh, this manifestation there's just something that doesn't feel good to me um, so and again the Sagittarius archetype does have a specific emphasis on the physical body, uh, the Sagittarius archetype is the centaur, so half man half horse there's something very of course animalistic uh, very uh, this archetype encourages us to consider and take into account the human body, um, which is hard for and we'll we 'll talk about that further in the second half of the episode where I talk about grounding. Now, um, I've noticed that on um, Instagram and on um, different podcasts or whatever, um, certain people who I really like to listen to and read their posts on Instagram, they're really focusing in on this aspect of truth and how Sagittarius rules over the aspect of truth and we're considering in this new moon what is our truth or what have we held to be true and in those certain beliefs then maybe we've been holding on to something that we believe is true but it's not actually true you know and you know everybody every spiritual guru fairy including myself has um has probably said something like you know, what do you consider to be true and consider that it is not actually true. And this is just an untrue story you have been telling yourself and take this time to really release this story line that is not serving you any longer and open yourself up to a new version of truth. You know, so so there's nothing wrong with that, right? They're, They're actually, I think everybody, is right you know we have been for a long time walking around with certain truths that are not necessarily true and these certain truths that we hold to be personally true can actually act as our prison and I think that's what people are really getting at now here's where I think there's a missing piece of that narrative um I think and this is where the astrology comes in too. This sun and moon conjunction in Sagittarius, uh, what is it doing? It's quincunxing Uranus and Taurus. When this new moon is going to quincunx Uranus, uh, what is a quincunx? Quincunx says, we're uncomfortable. We need adjustment. There's something awkward about this energy. So it's almost like this, this sun and the moon in Sagittarius are kind of like, This is what we hold to be true. But then the quincunx to Uranus is asking, but is it keeping you trapped? Is there a different way? Can we adjust this truth in order to set us free? And then on top of that, Venus and Chiron are also kind of in this discussion. Venus is squaring Chiron. And I think that this Venus square to Chiron is actually... Telling us that this new new moon, yes, it's about truth. Yes, it's about examining what we hold to be true. Yes, it's about releasing these old stories that don't have to be true anymore. But what is the nature of these stories? I think Venus Square Chiron, it's not only about our self-worth issues, but it's also about what we think we deserve and um, likewise, what we think we don't deserve. You know, there's something, there's something about that Venus Square Chiron going on right now that is, is really like, why don't you think you deserve success? Or why don't you think you deserve love? Or why don't you think you deserve a healthy relationship? I mean, these things can go on and on and on. Uh, but here's the thing. Here's where I find the narrative of um, figure out what what truth you are holding to be true. Figure out why it's not true and then just release it and burn it. Let me tell you why that doesn't work a lot of the times. You know these truths these let's call them the untrue truths, uh, <laughs> to be even more confusing, the untrue truths um that we are holding, for instance, some really popular ones, like "I am not worthy, I am not deserving, um I am not beautiful, I am an outcast, I have to suffer in silence." Um, I am undeserving of success. I mean, these things go on and on and on. And a lot of the times we don't even realize that we hold these things to be true inside of ourselves. Yet, almost every single one of our, our actions in this life line up with that untrue truth, right? Um, so it's not as simple as just using this new moon to release those things. Uh, we can't just write this down and say, oh gosh, I just realized that I'm holding this belief to be true. I've held this my entire life that I am undeserving of love. It's not true. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to write it on a piece of paper, put it in my cauldron and burn it and done. By tomorrow, I'll be a new person. Okay, that's not really what's going to, that's not going to um, necessarily work for everybody. <laughs> now, I think the act of ritualizing these kind of releasing uh, patterns, these, these releasing actions, I should say, is great. And I think that's what's a great part about ritual in general. Um, but ritual can't do the work for us. And um, there always has to be, ritual should really just be a metaphor for the deeper psychological work that we are doing it shouldn't be a replacement for that you know and if we use ritual like burning something in a cauldron as like a replacement for going to therapy or a replacement for really like digging deep and asking like well why do I hold this true that's when ritual can be I guess, what they would call spiritual bypassing. Um, But really, you know, I think that's when ritual kind of becomes just this like phony thing that doesn't really help us as much as it could. So I want you to consider, yes, the idea of truth. Yes, the idea of the stories that we hold to be true may not be true. But here's where I want you to go deeper. Why? Why did you hold that to be true in the first place? You know? And if you really get back to why you had to hold that to be true in the first place, it actually probably makes a lot of sense. You know? And I think we have to honor that before we can release it. So let me give you an example. Hmm. Let me think of an example. Um, Let's take someone um, who holds to be true that they are um they cannot be seen. Um they hold to be true that it would be wrong for them to be seen in some way. They don't want to be seen, they don't want to be seen for their talents, their beauty. Let's say um you know, even going out to um go going out with their friends, they they don't want to wear, you know, the sexy cute outfit because they're afraid of being seen or Let's say there are certain they're, they're horribly afraid of public speaking because again, they're afraid to be seen. Let's say this person decides on this new moon in Sagittarius that, you know what? That narrative that I've been holding to be true, that I am undeserving of being seen, it is not true. It's an outdated. It's an outdated narrative. I must burn it in my cauldron. Okay. But before you do that, Consider what, where is that belief coming from? And as that person considers more and more, they're going deeper and deeper to where that narrative is coming from. I mean, it could be as as big as well. My um, this person's parent was an alcoholic, let's say, and in the household, in the family system. That they grew up in, if they were to be seen in the family household, that would provoke abusive behavior from their alcoholic parent. So they had to work really hard at not being seen and not being heard and not being noticed in order to survive in their family household. You know? So that's just an example of how deep these beliefs can go. And I can guarantee you that any of these truths that are no longer serving you, um, guess what? Your inner child believes that they are. (laughs) Your inner child believes that these truths keeps them safe. So when you try to kind of rip that out of your inner child's hands with no explanation and burn it in your cauldron, Guess who's going to have a tantrum? Guess who's going <laughs> to put their foot down? Um, because they, there are parts of ourselves that really believe these things keep us safe. That's what we have to recognize with this this new moon. Um, I'm trying to think of any other examples of how like this could get really deep. Um, trying to think for me um, personally, a belief that I've been holding lately for my whole life is there's, there's truth to the belief that, um, I cannot ask for help. That's a truth that I really, an untrue truth that I have held to be true for essentially my entire life. I cannot ask for help. In fact, if I do ask for help, I will actually put someone in danger. Um, I have to deal with everything myself. Um, So if you actually dial back to where that's coming from, it makes a lot of sense, right? Um, As a kid, there were certain circumstances where I took on the role of, um, like, protecting my parents, or I took on a lot of emotional burdens of, of my own parents, you know, emotional health. I felt like if I brought to the table my problems, it would sort of set them over the edge. Now, of course, this is all rooting from a very codependent family system. Granted, now, if I want to tonight burn that in my cauldron and, and say, you know, that truth of I can't ask for help, I don't want to believe it anymore, Um, And I'm going to burn it. Well, that could be good. But then I also have to recognize there's a part of my inner child who holds that belief for a very good reason. Right? It makes sense. That's what we have to realize. Our untrue truths make sense. (laughs) There's never been really a person to have an untrue truth that they're carrying around that doesn't make sense. Those things don't just come out of nowhere. Those things make a lot of sense when we really think about it, but once we can acknowledge that, once we can acknowledge that um, that these untrue truths do make sense in some context, and that these untrue truths did keep us safe in in a certain time of our life, that's when we can actually release them, right? So it's not about being abrasive with ourselves. We can't force healing. Um, We can't force healing through ritual. Um, If we do the candle magic or we do the cauldron burning or we do whatever it is, um, before we're actually psychologically ready to release something, it's really just going to, it's not to say it's going to make it worse, but it's really not going to help us. Um, And going back to the quest of the Sagittarius archetype, um, you know, I think the truth, what was coming to me from Spirit today, Spirit was saying the truth is rewritten through experience. And I'll say it again. The truth is rewritten through experience. Um, So maybe it's not so much about trying to get rid of that untrue truth Uh, Maybe it's about just experiencing something else that sort of naturally proves that untrue truth to be wrong and we get to see that it is okay to now adopt or believe a different thing. Okay, so going back to that example, that girl who maybe grew up with alcoholic parents and holds the truth that she cannot be seen or heard or noticed because it will put her in danger, um, maybe that same girl decides to face a fear and, um, do some kind of stand-up comedy, let's say. (laughs) So she does, she's so scared, but she does her first novice stand-up comedy show and it goes really well and she lets herself be seen. And in that moment, she learns that there is a different truth, that it is okay to be seen and being seen will not put her in danger in that context and actually being seen will be very validating in that context. I think that's actually how we rewrite these things. It's really through experience. It's through the experience of facing our fears, not forcing ourselves into anything, but really the experience of slowly getting out of our comfort zone. That's how we, I think, rewrite the truth of our situations, okay? So what truth are you rewriting uh, through experience? What quest are you wanting to go on? What are your long-term goals and visions um, that you see? Where Where do you see yourself in 10 years? <laughs> Not like that, but wh- what do you want to feel about yourself? Or what do you want to feel about your life in 5, five or 10 years? Again, we're talking a lot about... Um, the long-term journey and actually the ninth house which is ruled by Sagittarius I think traditionally correct me if I'm wrong but I think traditionally this house it's called like the house of long journeys over water uh, which I find very serendipitous Uh, like in this new moon in Sagittarius we are starting another quote-unquote long journey over water although we may not actually be doing that Um, we're prepping for a long journey ahead and really to focus on the destination would be a detriment to the journey right so we really just have to be willing to go on the journey and willing to experience new things at this time Uh, so with the cards the main energy of this new moon that I pulled was the 6 of wands which was really beautiful and I feel like uh it, it's kind of it was sort of serendipitous to everything that I just said about the Sagittarius archetype and I don't is um the 6 of wands could very well be related to Sagittarius in the tarot if I'm if I'm remembering correctly I think the 6 of wands might represent like jupiter in sagittarius or mars and sagittarius or something like that but i'll double check someone check me <laughs> um but the six of wands it's about uh it's the victory card uh typically uh that is the traditional definition of the six of wands it's it's a sign that we are going to be victorious in our endeavors but I also think this is going deeper. It's reminding us that um, the healing that we're doing right now will pay off, and I think oftentimes when we're when we're going to let's say therapy or we're doing a lot of self work, it can feel like after we leave therapy, we're like in the nine of swords. (laughs) But from spirit, they're like, yeah, six of wands, like you are doing the thing, you are going on the journey. And also, I think the six of wands does bring up this idea of success. But it's also prompting us to ask, like, what does success really mean to us? Is success really the paycheck at the end of the job? Or is it like the feeling that we can evoke in others is it the experience that we can have and I always think too that the dude you know if we're talking about the rider wait smith the dude in the six of wands who's riding in on the horse well and the whole town is sort of cheering for him where is that guy coming from That guy, I think, is coming from war. (laughs) Like, he literally, he's a war hero. He literally just left the battlefield and won some kind of victory for his town. But we can't forget, like, the war that we fought in order to get to the Six of Wands. And there's a lot of hard work involved with the Six of Wands. There's a lot of self-work that we need to do in order to, to get to the Six of Wands, I think. And uh, I asked Spirit, if the Six of Wands is the main energy, I said how we are experiencing the main energy. Uh, So even though we are all in the Six of Wands, technically, uh, how we are experiencing the Six of Wands is the Five of Pentacles, (laughs) which I thought was so funny. Because the Six of Wands, not funny, but the Six of Wands tells us like, Yes, keep going, keep trusting in spirit, keep trusting in your body, keep trusting in your in your gut about what you're manifesting. Um, whereas the Five of Pentacles, the Five of Pentacles is literally the fear of not manifesting what we want. And I do think that this whole thing about... Um, like the abundance mindset although I've definitely said a lot of things on this podcast that have to do with the abundance mindset and I and I do believe in positive mantras and shifting our mindset in order to sort of attract the reality that we want I think also that the like the other day I saw um A YouTube video on my suggestions and this I don't know who it was but it was like it literally got like 40,000 views and I was like oh my god and it was kind of this spiritual guru fairy and the I didn't watch the video but the video was titled how to ignore your present reality in order to manifest what you want (laughs) and I was like Literally, you might have as well just have titled that how to spiritually bypass yourself (laughs) um, and your reality. Like at the end of the day, it's okay to have, I think the five of pentacles is really saying it's okay. It's okay if we're scared. It's okay if we're afraid. That we won't manifest what we want and contrary to popular belief i think that we can be afraid and still get to get to experience the journey i think we can still um, be scared of, of, um, things like money or scared of success or scared of being seen while also taking the actions that we need to take. So I don't think that we should get caught up in the, the negative spiral of if we have one thought of fear, like, oh my God, this isn't going to happen or, oh my God, I'm not going to get the money or whatever it may be. That's not going to ruin the manifestation you know just allow that don't repress it allow it to come up and have a conversation with it and guys to be honest like i know i talked about oprah in the last um episode oprah has um venus squaring saturn in her birth chart um and she grew up very extremely impoverished you don't think oprah has a fear deep down of not having enough you don't think Oprah had a fear of her money going away um you know and she's one of the richest people in the world regardless she still probably holds that fear now I don't know if she still holds that today I can't um speak for her on the next episode she'll be a guest so I'll, no I'm kidding <laughs> so I'll have to ask her then um but uh You know, I'm sure there were times in her life where she was quite crippled by the fear of having her success taken away. I'm sure she was crippled by the fear of not having enough, um, by the fear of financial instability, and she still got where she got. I mean, same with someone like J.K. Rowling. Again, we see so many stories of people being deeply impoverished and having a deeply a deep set fear of not being successful financially or whatever it may be and still being able to manifest um, bigger and better things that they than they could have ever imagined so don't let these fears of not manifesting what you want hold you back from taking action now the advice that we got was the moon which is very interesting so We are embracing the unknown, which I think is only natural because, again, we're going on this long quest. We're starting a new quest at this moment. We have no idea what's even going to lie ahead on the first turn, much less 10 miles down the road. So we are embracing the unknown and sort of inviting the uh, experience into our lives, and the the just the movie, The Wizard of Oz, is like coming in through spirit. So it is sort of like that is a great movie to represent the moon card, um, and how you know Dorothy is going down the yellow brick road. She doesn't know what she's gonna run into, um, but the experiences that she runs into are the formative things that kind of teach her something about life. And uh, the wizard of Oz, that whole movie, you know, although the ending scene, um, Dorothy arrives at like the castle of the wicked witch or whatnot, the whole movie is not even about that. The whole movie about the, the journey along the road. So that's what we're thinking with the moon. Also something else spirit was saying with this card, um, You know, if you actually had what you wanted, which is to know all the answers, come on. I think all of us want to know all of the answers in some context. Um, If you really had the answers to, like, who you were going to be 10 years down the road or what you were going to accomplish at age 30, 40, 50, 60, or whatever it may be, um, you'd probably be really scared, (laughs) Not in a bad way, but in like a great way. Like if you saw the shit that you were going to accomplish, and if you saw just how great and huge and how much of an effect you were going to have on the world, um, you might just not do it. Because at this moment, we're a little bit scared of our greatness. We're a little bit scared of our success. And there is a reason why spirit doesn't show us certain things uh there's certain things we have to go through and accomplish and again we have to go on the quest guys there's we cannot get out of going on the quest and then I asked spirit what are we releasing we got the hermit you know the hermit's my homie I hate to see that we're releasing him (laughs) But that's exactly why we got to release him. So I, you know, I love the hermit. I usually 99% of the time I'm reading this card as, you know, something that has to do with going internal. It's okay to spend time with ourselves in this moment. It's okay to take the time that we need to ourselves. It's okay to do the internal work and not feel like we have to say yes to everybody. It's okay to say no. I will say that definition definitely applies to some of us. If you feel like that resonates at this moment for you, completely take that message. But I will say the other message that I was getting, probably on a more intense level, is um, why do you have to do it all alone? Um, And the fact that Spirit was asking us to release the hermit. I'm sure some of us are releasing maybe the fear of being alone or the fear of going internal. But I actually think a lot more of us are releasing the fear of connecting with others. We're releasing the fear of vulnerability with others. We're releasing the fear of me specifically asking for help. Um, We're releasing this whole narrative about how we have to suffer in silence and also release, release the narrative that uh, people can't, that people aren't supposed to help you. You know, like in order to go on this quest, you're going to have to meet the Tin Man. You're going to have to meet the Lion. You're going to have to meet the Scarecrow and so on and so forth. And if Dorothy just ignored those people and kept going down the yellow brick, ro- yellow brick road by herself, then we really wouldn't have that great of a movie. Right, So that's really what spirit is asking us to consider. How have we been denying human connection to our detriment? And can we slowly invite back in human connection in a very nourishing and helpful and supportive way? And then quickly, uh, I'll give you guys a little bit of a Thanksgiving forecast. So on Thanksgiving Eve on Wednesday... Uh, we will have Neptune going direct. And what's exciting is Neptune's going to go direct. And while he, while they go direct, they will be trining Mercury in Scorpio. So this is sort of a vibe of um, I can see clearly now the rain is gone. You know, Neptune in retrograde may have felt um kind of confusing it may have felt very shadow worky it may have felt like we didn't have the answers that we need so the fact that Neptune is going direct while trining Mercury I think there is like kind of a good chance that we could have some sort of clarity within our own selves though it's sort of like we're not going to get the answers that we are seeking from the outside if that makes sense but spirit is saying that on this day we could achieve some kind of closure or um, answer our own questions without anybody else so there could just be some kind of new and deeper understanding about our journey and about um, certain Certain woes that we 've experienced this year, why did I have to go through that, or why did this happen, or why did I have to meet this person, or why did I have to go through on this day Thanksgiving Eve, we may be feeling like, okay, I get it, I get it, spirit, like this is the lesson um, and then on Thanksgiving, uh, the moon and Venus are going to be. Uh, conjunct. Uh, oh, yeah. And then Venus is moving into Capricorn, right? And uh, Venus and the moon are going to be conjunct on Thanksgiving at three degrees Capricorn. And they're actually going to be trining Uranus at three degrees Taurus. So in my notes, I said, you know, when the moon and Venus or trine, er, trine Uranus, I said, this could be good for family misfits. <laughs> I don't know, guys. I think like Uranus is kind of like this misfit planet. He's the the rebel with a cause. Um, so you know, if you're like me and you kind of feel like the black sheep of the family, and there are some times when you enter family uh, gatherings where you don't feel entirely comfortable. Actually, I think the sky is sort of like on the misfit side. <laughs> So it may be encouraging us to sort of um, be able to speak our truth in some way um, or be able to, I don't want to say stand up for ourselves or um, like I'm not, I'm certainly not encouraging anybody to, you know, start a a fight over politics at the dinner table. Um, But it could be a sort of um, an aspect that encourages us to kind of confidently speak about what we've accomplished or confidently speak about what we're trying to do with our lives, even if it does not fit sort of the status quo of, um, of what society or our family really expects from us. It, it seems like the universe is sort of supporting the the unique endeavors that many of us are, are um, taking on. So that's the new moon in Sagittarius I'm gonna take a quick break um oh crap no uh before I do that I'm gonna give you guys a little bit of individualized messages um oh Christ right we've already been going an hour sorry I just talked so much but the um I want you guys to tune in so um take a deep breath um You know, relax, relax into the body if if it feels comfortable at this time. I actually have three piles of cards in front of me with some short messages. Uh, So while you're relaxing into your body, um, let's breathe into the number three. How does the number three feel in the body? Breathing into the number two. and then breathing into the number one. So out of those numbers, um, I want you to ask yourself and your guides out of the number three, two, or one, which one felt the best? Okay, take, take a few minutes. Which one of those numbers felt the best? Take a second, you got your number, okay. Alright, so if you picked the number one, um, your new moon message is coming in the form of the animal, the swan. And then you also have a card that is pink, the color pink. And this card says compassion. By the way, I'm using the Kim Kranz Animal Spirit Oracle. And I'm also using the color gypsy Oracle to give you these messages. So... You pick the number one. Um, I'm I'm actually getting that you're kind of at uh, with the swan and this pink card that says compassion. I'm getting that there's sort of a turning point that's that may be happening in your healing journey where um, it's sort of the turning point between like blame and anger and and sort of the transition into compassion. And I'm getting that. Um, there may be certain like situations or certain people that um, that have caused you a lot of wounding or a lot of suffering in your life or have just taught you a lot of difficult lessons, and that um, in this in this kind of time, I think what you are approaching is sort of. Having compassion for yourself, having compassion for your anger, being able to feel your anger and um, kind of naming your anger or or giving it sort of a... um, like, just, just legitimizing how you feel. And I'm almost getting, like, once that kind of happens and you allow these kind of emotions to come to the surface, the next step, and it maybe won't happen right away, maybe some of you are are not even close to compassion, having compassion for those who have wounded you versus um, maybe some of us who have picked number one already. Or finding ourselves having a greater understanding of of those who have hurt us and why they have hurt us, and it's kind of like that cheesy phrase, like, um, like you can. What is it? Like you can only give the love that you know. Um, so, for instance, like if we're harboring a lot of anger and resentment towards a parent or towards a caretaker. Um, they themselves might have grown up in a very abusive household and learned that love was conditional, and then also, you know, gave us conditional love. Now, this isn't to make excuses for the things that they have done or the harm that they have caused us, but it just seems like an outside looking in sort of feeling where you know, in having some sort of compassion or at least understanding of of the full situation um, that feels feels healing in some way. Um, And then with the swan, you know, the swan and the animal oracle, um, the swan's kind of swimming and looking at their reflection. So I think for some of us too who picked number one, we're coming into having more compassion for our own selves and I think we're coming into having like a love and understanding for those for those wounded parts of ourselves and being able to be nice to ourselves a little bit more I think that's what we we do need if you picked the card sequence number one okay number two you got the gazelle And then you also got a purple card um, that reads empath intuitive, which is very interesting. So if you did pick sequence number two, uh, you may be sort of in more of a um, sort of a, I don't want to say a beginning of the spiritual journey, but it may just sort of be an acceptance of like, wow, I am empathic or wow, I am intuitive and being able to sort of claim that claim that for yourself and if you've been sort of um you know down on yourself like oh I'm not intuitive or I'm not psychic or I'm not empathic or um but you really are it could be an invitation to allow yourself to identify in that way or at least just allow yourself to to claim that or to feel that you are a highly sensitive person I'm also getting that the next um The next part of the podcast where I'm going to be talking about grounding is very important for you um, to consider. Uh, Anybody who has picked the gazelle and this purple card, um, I'm getting that your third eye is, is opening or is very open you may be picking up on a lot of things around you and it may actually be exhausting you to a point where it doesn't have to and you may want to work on grounding, cleansing, protecting, and shielding, especially with the holidays coming up. If you're going to be around family members who may not have the greatest energy, I'm getting that this is going to be an important concept for you to learn more about. And really, Spirit is just giving you permission to... um, really recognize that you're not making it up that's they're they're actually just kind of yelled that in my ear like they're like you're not making it up (laughs) like if you feel shit about a certain person or about a situation or what it's it's not it's not made up shit like you're you're communicating with spirit or like that is your inner voice or your higher self okay so hopefully that validates anybody who is um, listening to number two and okay wow uh, if you picked card number 3 you got the dragon and um actually a rainbow card um it literally has a rainbow and it's it, the phrase on it is chase rainbows so um if you picked this sequence um, in this deck, the dragon represents the um, solar plexus chakra and the solar plexus chakra is about, um, is that yellow chakra that's sort of like in between our sternum and our navel. So it's sort of like our psychic powerhouse and it's it's just our, our inner power. It's solar plexus is about Our ability to step into our power. So I'm getting that, um, uh, for lack of a better term, um, if you've picked card sequence number three, you know if there if you're really considering all of the, all of the untrue truths, (laughs) of your life, all of the all of the times in your life where. Someone did, for lack of a better term, try to dull your sparkle, <laughs> um, tried to put you down or tried to make you feel bad for being noticed. All of the times where you did not want to be noticed for your uniqueness or for your needs or for your wants I'm getting you are really working on releasing this in a healthy way Um, and you're really working on getting back in touch with that internal sense of power and actually accepting sort of your uniqueness and as your power and I'm also seeing the planet Uranus as I'm talking about this so and again I've mentioned Uranus already on this episode Uranus is the planet of you know revolution he's the rebel with a cause he's sort of this unconventional force And I'm getting like, it is kind of um, the next step in your journey is to sort of embrace those unconventionalities about you and sort of recognize that these unconventionalities are your strengths, even while respecting that maybe as a kid, you were shamed for these certain things, or you were made to feel weird or not normal for um these parts about yourself but I'm I'm also hearing the word integration so I'm getting that you are sort of integrating this inner child who's afraid of their um unconventionalities and this sort of adult self that is really ready to to own themselves in a more powerful way and you're also learning to not be so afraid of your own power. Okay. I hope you guys found that helpful. Uh, I'm gonna take a quick break and then come back to talk about grounding and meditation and also cleansing and we 're back, my friends let 's talk about grounding, cleansing, and meditation and i 'm going to give my uh, my weekly disclaimer because I have imposter syndrome, <laughs> but my disclaimer is i don 't know everything. my word is not God. I am still learning uh, I am constantly asking other psychic practitioners how they ground and cleanse, and I'm constantly learning new things. So please do not take any of my advice as set in stone. Um, Take what resonates, leave the rest. And yeah, (laughs) let's just get past that first. Okay, so cleansing, grounding and meditation. So actually, what inspired me to talk about this subject was partially, um, a recent psychic reading that I had. Um, hi Jen, if you're listening, um, (laughs) me and another uh, psychic in the area named Jen. Um, she's a very, um, talented Akashic records reader and a psychic and just a clairvoyant. And she told me in my reading that spirit wanted me to discuss grounding, which I thought was so funny because guess who learned many very, very hard lessons surrounding the topic of grounding this year? Yes, that would be me. Um, (laughs) I've learned basically the hard way What happens when you do not have like a ground a good grounding and cleansing routine especially when you are doing psychic work um and i don't want if there if there are people who are listening to this who are like beginner psychic practitioners maybe you've just recently went professional with your tarot business or your astrology business or whatnot um like i did about a year ago um I was totally ill-prepared for, you know, I I did not conceptualize that I needed to have like a regular grounding and cleansing practice. And I know that sounds really dumb because it is really dumb, but to be honest, like I just, no one really taught me and I just kind of, I had to kind of shoot myself in a foot to learn the lesson the hard way. So I'm here now. To help you not have to learn this lesson the hard way. And um, another thing that inspired me to talk about grounding and cleansing. Was um, you would not believe the amount of Reiki um, clients that I've had lately. That come into the Reiki room. And I'm like feeling their third eye in their crown. And they're like blown open to like heaven's gates like (laughs) like they're just so open and it's not a bad thing but i'm like oh my god like are people just walking around people are just walking around with their their third eye like blown open the whole day they don't even know it granted some of these people they don't even realize that they're empathic they're coming they're getting a first time reiki um appointment and I sit down and I tell them um you know you're empathic right you know you're walking around with your third eye blown open um all the time and you know we don't have to go through life like this uh, (laughs) because when we when we do when we are empathic when we are highly sensitive uh when we are psychic whatever we identify as um if we are in when we are people there are times when Um, you know, we're ungrounded and we don't even know it. I I think I, part of the reason I learned this really hard lesson about what happens when you continuously become ungrounded, uh, for a really long period of time, AKA my whole life, um, you know, it's, it's doesn't have to be that way. (laughs) And we wonder you know, I'm scratching my head, like wondering, like, why am I anxious all the time? Why do I have so much panic? Why am I like jumping at loud noises? Why <laughs> why am I feeling, literally feeling the lady's anger in Costco next to me? She's like yelling at her husband. I'm like feeling her anger in my body. And I'm like, why? It's because a lot of us are ungrounded. We're ungrounded. So, um, so what actually is grounding? Um, maybe some of us are familiar with this concept. Maybe you are not. But my own definition of grounding is: uh, it's our ability to connect ourselves and make ourselves one with the Earth's energy, and it's our ability to feel our bodies fully. Um, And it's also grounding is the ability to use the earth's energy to sort of regenerate negative energy into positive energy. Um, And many, many psychics, many intuitives will... Um, will say that grounding has a lot to do with the root chakra which I agree with our root chakra which is the red chakra um, that sort of exists in our pelvic area our perineum Um, that is our connection to the earth and no surprise a lot of um, intuitives or psychics or just empaths um, their their root chakras are oftentimes a little bit blocked, and it's because we're not connecting to the human body, and we're not necessarily, um, you know, you know, grounding and connecting to the earth enough as we should be. Um, and also, I've the other chakras that I think are related to grounding. I often feel on people I, I don't I should get a book about the minor chakras but just intuitively I feel there there's a minor chakra at the bottoms of our feet um so I think that chakra also has a lot to do with with grounding and uh so let me ask though everybody like why why are why do we need to ground or why are empaths and intuitives and highly sensitive people why are we so ungrounded naturally uh well i think it i think it does partially relate back to our to trauma and i think that you know empaths highly sensitive people intuitive psych psychics i've really never met one of us without trauma you know and i think at some point in our trauma, we learned that it was safest to sort of leave our bodies. And, you know, I think when we leave our bodies or the times when we, we started to develop our our empathic skills as children, uh, you know, why did we have to develop that superpower? Well, uh, you know, I think that a toxic family system or any kind of abusive family system or just any kind of unhealthy family system. It could be as major or as minor as as you need, as you want it to be. Um, that is sort of the breeding ground for empaths. Um, but I'm actually hoping that's going to change. You know, I think maybe empaths that are... Um, you know, that are maybe millennials and older, I think that perhaps we, a lot of us, I don't want to speak for all of us, but I think a lot of us did develop empathic and psychic skills as a survival mechanism in our household, um, is sort of like we needed to be able to tune in. You know, of course, we were doing this unconsciously. We needed to be able to tune into to the energy of our parents or the energy of the household or the energy of whoever to know, you know, what to expect or to intuit if our survival, our basic needs were going to be met, right? Now, I think with, and again, not everybody, but I think with the newer generation um, as millennials have children um, and as um, a- and as the Gen Z generation is like kind of coming into their empathic ability too, I think then we can try to shift this um, into, sort of like our empathic skills can just be encouraged. They don't have to be like a byproduct of trauma. It could just be that you are an empath and you have children and you recognize that they are empathic and as well and you encourage them to develop those skills. You know, like I don't think being an empath has to be a... um. A, again, a byproduct of trauma, but I think it often is and and i again, I think often a lot of empaths highly sensitive people people why are we like that? well, we learned to leave our bodies. And we learned that it was very safe to leave our bodies or leaving our bodies would make us safe. And what do we do? What do we do in in psychic readings in in intuitive readings? I mean, we're partially we are kind of tapping into that same energy. It's not that we are leaving our bodies, but we're we're opening the crown, we're opening the third eye um, that makes us open to divine source um, to spirit. So we can see why actually grounding I think is triggering for a lot of empaths. A lot of us don't want to ground subconsciously because grounding implies that We will have to connect into our bodies. And for a lot of people who have experienced trauma, connecting into the body is the most triggering thing that could be done. You know, so we can we can see why um, a lot of empaths just don't ground. Not only because they don't know what it is, but also because there's something about being in the body that feels still unsafe. Um, So. And I think that's why some of us are resistant, including me. Some of us are resistant to grounding, even if we don't know we're resistant to grounding, right? And I also will give an example, too, of other people that I've um, just in the past, um, I would say in the past, like the past two Reiki appointments that I had, um, both people were adults with ADHD. And I felt like that was very interesting because they were so open. And I've been very ungrounded. And I felt that intuitively um, with I think a lot of people with any sort of learning disability or any sort of special need um, I think those people are also very empathic, very, very highly sensitive, because again, they had to also develop this superpower, just like empaths. Who experienced trauma and had to develop the highly sensitive superpower in order to survive as a survival mechanism? I think people with, um, with again learning learning challenges or uh, special needs. I also think they we have to remember that they are very empathic, and um, you know, I haven't worked um, you know, in depth with special need children as a specialty or anything but when I was in Malaysia um you know there I spent a lot of time with um the special needs classroom just because I've always I've always loved um special needs children and I I have a soft spot for them and why is that it's probably because um, I'm empathic I subconsciously feel like they're empathic and um, especially with with special needs children that can't communicate themselves in a traditional way Um, I'm I'm fairly good with those types of people because I can just feel what's wrong. And I feel like we can like telepathically communicate. So that's kind of some food for thought too. And I say that because I think that um, it's kind of a a good example of, um, how we don't notice certain, I don't know. I just feel like empathic ability needs to be more normalized. And it's not just the people who are working as psychics, like me, who are empathic and highly sensitive. Um, there are other people in this society who also like have these superpowers that we don't necessarily like acknowledge, or we actually view them maybe as, Um, uh, As weaker, if that makes sense, when it's really not true. I think some of the most highly sensitive people, some of the most empathic people, we would also see as um, someone with special needs. So something I've noticed, just wanted to put that out there. Um, And I also find that, um, you know, when my students, my tarot students, I think I've had about The first tarot class I taught this year I had like 10 students and then the second class I had like 4. So I think I've had about like 14 or 15 tarot students this year and I've noticed that um, as class goes on, my the students will come into class more ungrounded than the previous class and they'll just keep walking in and I see, I see their third eyes are going off and I see their crown chakra is open and I think we also need to be mindful of that too when we embark on the study of tarot, um, you know, just when you're when you're playing with tarot cards you are connecting to your guides whether you're conscious of it or not um and if you're you know i know we all when we start tarot we get like really obsessed and we want to pull cards all day long and want to do a bunch of spreads every single day and um even pulling one card a day um Be careful. It's not to say you shouldn't do that, but you are opening yourself up. Uh, You are um, you are connecting to a higher source. So we have to make sure to ground ourselves after that. You know, Um, like that excited new tarot student is just skipping around ungrounded all day with their tarot cards. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like you can still connect to spirit. You can still do your tarot cards, but ground, ground yourself. Um, And the other thing, too, is um, I recently over the weekend, I took a um, like kind of like a training class and it was for um, trauma informed healing, essentially. So I'm trying to do as much as I can to learn about um, the nature of trauma because it's just something like I've just noticed that. In readings and Reiki, trauma is constantly coming up for the people I'm holding space for and I've recognized that... I am, um, it's not to say, well, yeah, it is to say that I am not like a qual. I'm not qualified. There's a part of me that feels like I'm not qualified to hold space for trauma and I can only do the best that I can. But I think where we're moving into is like healers also and and counselors and social workers, we need to bridge the gap between all of those people. And um, as a healer, although I'm not sure if I'll ever- Um, be a licensed counselor or a licensed social worker I think it's important for me to you know take as many trauma information classes as possible to be as educated as possible so I can be the best helper and be the of service in the most helpful way as possible for different people but regardless um, in this class we were learning about um, like the the idea of dissociating, like someone who has gone through like a really immense trauma and how we can sort of dissociate um, some people dissociating to the point where they're like forgetting hours of their day um, and they, they, you know, end up somewhere and they don't know how they got there because they're dissociating so much. I think that in that class, I thought, oh my gosh, that is like the most maximum level of ungrounding, you ungroundedness you can be, um, if someone with trauma is dissociating to a point of memory loss, um, yes, I think that relates to being ungrounded, uh, because again, being ungrounded, you know, it, it subconsciously goes back to being afraid to be in the body. So there are some traumas that we can experience that make us so afraid to get, be in the body that we completely dissociate, we completely unground ourselves. Um, and, and I think that's like the one end of the, the spectrum, the other end of the spectrum, which is probably most of us, what we're experiencing at times on a day-to-day basis when we are, um, subconsciously ungrounded, uh, some of us will experience like things like daydreaming or spacing out, um, like chronic forgetfulness, um, anxiety or panic, or feeling like you are a sponge to other people's emotions, and at work we actually call um, being ungrounded um, floaty. Uh, so you just feel a little bit floaty, like if you <laughs> there's been a couple readings where, um, especially in mediumship readings, if I ever you know if, if I'm talking to someone who has passed on. Um, there are often times where I will forget to completely ground myself after that reading. And I will literally walk out of the reading room and I will knock over like 50 million things and like trip and not be connected to my legs. And that's not necessarily good, right? <laughs> like that's a sign that like I I need to ground more after a reading and um there's also i think i think i understood i i think when i first started out reading for people i kind of understood that a reading you should be ungrounded like in a way and i don't think that's necessarily true either i think that there's sort of a balance we have to maintain And if one of you asked me a question about grounding, um, which I will answer, um, as we, as we go on, um, that's that pertains to being grounded while doing a psychic reading. Um, so, so what I've been working on as a psychic reader is staying grounded in the reading while still having that, that crown chakra open, um, but also having my feet grounded into the earth and that's also allowed me to feel a lot better after a reading and not feel so floaty um, and another another symptom of being ungrounded is being easily frightened by noise um, or ha- being highly sensitive to noise light scent or your environment you know etc Um, so I think that actually the spiritual community, we put a lot of emphasis on like shielding and protecting ourselves, but we don't put enough emphasis on grounding. And I think there's sort of, um, like an idea that we're so empathic and we're so open and we're so connected all the time that we need to shield ourselves. So it's almost like we're walking around like, with this like booming light from the top of our heads like connecting all the time but then we have this like bubble of black tourmaline or like this bubble of of a metal shield around us that guys that seems like a lot of fucking work that seems like exhausting to do that all day um to be connected and then to be blocking yourself at the same time that just doesn't make sense to me and I think that's why like I'm questioning like what it is really to shield and ground or sorry shield and protect yourself Um, and I'm not saying we shouldn't shield and protect ourselves but for me it makes a lot of more sense Um, and it feels a lot less exhausting to just learn how to ground ourselves properly so we're not walking around like a sponge all day you know like I I. Kind of gave the example of um, when I was in Costco recently. Again, I'm still working on this. There are times when I just like unconsciously start to unground. Um, So I think I started to do this in Costco. And it got to a point where I was waiting in line. The woman behind me was yelling at her husband. And I felt her anger. I was a sponge to her anger, and I took her anger into my energetic space. Um, So, and this was, again, all unconscious. That is not our job as an empath, okay? We're not here to, and there was no reason why I should have done that, you know, or why that should have happened. Like, or there was no reason, like, it's not like I was going to Teresa Caputo her in the, in the, in the line and be like, yo, by the way, like, you know, you know, there was, I wasn't reading for her. I wasn't, Consciously trying to be open to anything, and I still was a sponge to her energy. So if you're walking around, I think, and feeling the sponge effect all day long, and you're mixing up your own anxiety with other people's anxiety, I want you to know there's another way. <laughs> there's an easier way <laughs> to live through life. And it, and it's really to learn how to ground yourself. And I think if we're walking around unconsciously like sponges, um, it's a sign that w- we're ungrounded. And at least I'm just only talking from my experience. So again, I want to make that clear. Other psychics, other intuitives, other teachers um, might have a different way of putting it. But this is just the truth of my experience. And I'm sure Horoscope Witch, in a year from now, I'll probably do an update. I'll probably do um a grounding, protecting, shielding, cleansing update um, about the new things that I've learned about uh, what it is to be grounded versus ungrounded. Um, so, <sighs> yes. Um, and that's kind of my introduction to like why empaths may feel I think more suffering than they have to and I think it's this understanding that you know, we always have to be on, and that's not true either. Like, it's okay to close yourself, it's okay to close the third eye, it's okay to shut down the crown chakra. Um, it's okay to ground before you go into a public space. Um, and maybe you're finally like, Okay, Mal, we get it. Um, how do I ground though? Well. Quite literally, um, it has to do with the earth's energy. So my favorite visualization of how to ground, um, I believe I learned this from the Psychic Teachers podcast. I could be wrong, um, but I'm pretty sure um, in one of their meditations, this really resonated with me. And I say this to my clients a lot after Reiki. Um, After I give them Reiki, I make sure I ground everybody and I say, imagine... Roots are growing from the bottoms of your feet. These roots are going so deep that they wrap around the earth's core and they're growing and they're intertwining with other roots underground. Your roots from the bottoms of your feet are intertwining with different trees, different flowers, other people's roots. And you feel so secure and pulled down to this earth. That you're able to take a deep breath and dump any stress, any anxiety, any energy that is no longer needed to be carried by you back into the ground. Giving that energy to the ground and letting the ground take it. So I think that visualization I do multiple times a day. Um, (laughs) Just to to ground myself, especially before I enter into public spaces. It kind of helps me shift from being a sponge to just being in my body, which helps me not be a sponge to others. Um, I think grounding breath and breath work can be very grounding, um, centering into the breath. Movement, like walking, dancing, doing yoga, can be ways that we ground um spending time in nature that's a big one for me that's such a big one for me uh, i try to spend time in nature at least once a day to once every other day um f- to just let the earth cleanse me right the earth and spending time in nature is a better cleanser than anything else um also checking in with your body um you know this is a big one but if you're finding yourself spong- being a sponge all day long and it's exhausting you might want to set a timer on your phone every couple hours so that way when you're at work or whatnot and um, the timer goes off, it, it's a reminder that, okay... gotta take a few deep breaths, I'm gonna feel into my toes, I'm gonna feel into my fingertips, I'm gonna feel into my body, I'm gonna make sure I'm in my body, I'm gonna make sure I'm connected to the earth. Um, Sometimes we literally need to remind ourselves to ground because again with empaths it's so natural to be ungrounded I think. Um, Eating and drinking water, Um, eating good foods, drinking water is very grounding um having sex can be a grounding activity uh singing really loudly in the car that can also be very grounding and also carrying grounding crystals. Some of my favorites are like red jasper, black tourmaline, anything black or red um, crystal wise is extremely grounding. Um, And just having that in your pocket all day to sort of help harness that energy down and any black or red crystal is also protective as well. Um, And Miss Heather, uh, my friend Miss Heather, um, she replied to my Instagram question, And she said, she gave us a few tips too. She said she loves rose water to sort of anoint the third eye um, to remove any blocked energy. That's a good way for her to cleanse her energy. And as for grounding, she said, um, sea salt rubbed on the bottoms of the feet and at every chakra point really helps her. And also walking barefoot and jumping into the ocean. So Heather's lucky. She lives in Hawaii. (laughs) So she can jump into the ocean. Um, If we live near an ocean, that's a great way to ground and cleanse ourselves as well. But uh, again, walking barefoot or just being barefoot is is very grounding. And for those of us who um, don't live in Hawaii, Heather... (laughs) Yes, I'm very jealous that Heather lives in Hawaii. Um, For those of us who don't live in Hawaii, I've literally... One of my work friends, hi Annie, um, she said that recently she kind of like collected a bucket of like different leaves and sticks and stones and feathers that she... Found outside and she literally brought them into the house and will like set her bare feet on these things um and I thought that was like a genius idea especially if you live somewhere where it's about to get really cold like negative 30 degrees and it's about to start snowing and it's really hard to go out side and bare feet when it's negative 30 degrees and snowing so that's just an idea for some of you guys maybe collecting certain things from the earth that you can bring into the house and sort of act as sort of a grounding um a grounding practice also making a um, crystal grid for grounding with your black and red stones um, whenever you're feeling particularly um, checked out of your body um, you can go to this crystal grid and um, and kind of meditate by it that could also be a really good idea and then kind of moving on to cleansing um what is cleansing um cleansing is the idea that we are sort of again removing any negative um energies or just junk that's not ours it doesn't even need to be branded as negative it's just junk junk that we collect energetically all day long um How do we get rid of it? Well, we kind of have to develop a regular cleansing ritual. I would say if you are a healer or a practitioner, um, I would say, and this is a mistake that I made, um, I, for some reason, after like really heavy readings, I would cleanse myself. But if I felt really good and like... Like it was sort of a little bit more of like an upbeat, happy, happy reading, like, woohoo, go on, go on your path. You're on the right path. And I felt like, you know, really pumped up after the reading. I like wouldn't cleanse. And I don't know why. I think it was just because I felt like, oh, like if it didn't feel heavy, I don't need a cleanse, um, which isn't necessarily the case. So I just wanted to put it out there. If there's any readers or practitioners out there who are doing readings, I would advise cleansing regardless of, of the reading, regardless of the topic of the reading, um, whether you feel happy or whether you feel um, like the reading was a heavier subject, cleanse regardless. Um, and I think readers or healers should cleanse probably pretty much every day, especially if you've um, worked with other people that day or held space for other people that day um if you are uh just a regular irregular um just a, a kind of an empath who who just someone who feels very empathic or highly sensitive i would say use your intuition you may need to cleanse every day you may need to do some kind of cleansing ritual every day um, it might be once a week you take a cleansing bath follow your intuition And it also depends on what our line of work is. I would say if we are um, holding space for a lot of people, working with a lot of people, talking with a lot of people on a daily basis, we may need to cleanse more as empaths versus if you are an empath and let's say you work from home and you primarily um you 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 own your own business and you work from home and you are able to sort of protect your energy throughout the day you may not feel called to cleanse as much so my favorite ways to cleanse I gotta say salt is and I've said this before salt is such a good way to cleanse um so Taking salt baths, taking salt showers, making your own salt. I go to Costco, I get the big thing of pink Himalayan salt or sea salt or Epsom salt, whatever you're feeling. Um, I kind of dump it into like a little like cup, and then I put different essential oils that I feel called to, like lavender or lemon. I might put a few splashes of Florida water, which is a sort of cleansing holy water for witches. (laughs) So if you have a metaphysical shop near you, I find Florida water to be very good cleansing cleansing, uh, mechanism. Doing that really, really helps me. And also, I will say that while I'm cleansing, like let's say I'm I'm taking I'm like making a salt scrub that I'm using in the shower, while I'm like salt scrubbing myself, I will like verbalize what I'm doing. And I know it sounds crazy, but kind of making it a ritual and making it something that you're verbalizing really helps. So, I will say like all negative energy must leave my space. Only love and light can stay. Um, Cutting ties or cutting cords with any energy that does not serve me. Um, You know, whatever I feel called to say in the moment, I do not accept any negative energy in my space. Uh, You guys can get creative. You can't really do this wrong. But I would say we do need to do it semi-regularly. Also, um, cleansing herbs that we burn Some people may call this smudging. um, So we can burn different herbs like um, juniper, uh, sage, or Palo Santo. Although there are, there's a lot of controversy whether or not this is um, ethically okay because it's um, perhaps um, some people are saying it's it's spiritually um, or culturally appropriative um to to do sage smudging um be uh because it's drawing from um indigenous culture um which i completely respect uh palo santo also is now it's being said to um not be sustainable so also um, something to consider. I really like burning lavender. <laughs> I just like how it smells. I think regardless of um, sage being, um, whether or not you find it to be culturally appropriative or um, to be an issue, I just, I don't like the smell <laughs> of sage. I, I really don't. Um, so I, I much prefer um, lavender Um, Or cedar is really good um, to use as um, kind of a a smoke to sort of cleanse space and cleanse your own body. Um, I also find that the crystal selenite is awesome for cleansing. So I think if you're interested in crystals, owning a selenite wand specifically um, can be really good for sort of running over your body and kind of cutting any sort of energetic cords or bypassing any negative energy that may be in your aura. Uh, But really, cleansing doesn't have to involve any special spiritual tools. It doesn't have to involve uh, burning herbs. It doesn't have to involve um, salt baths. It can just involve nature. Um, it, It can just involve spending time in nature, And also, I will just say that um, there are some, I'll just put this out there, this is a mistake, hashtag malmistake, hashtag first year of psychic work, (laughs) hashtag the struggle. Um, There were times where I have read for some people and I have felt triggered by the reading and I did not understand why I could not cleanse away the feeling of the reading. And, um, you know, there was one reading in particular, by the way, this isn't, this is not, I guarantee this is not anybody who's listening to this. So please, if you've worked with me, don't think this is you because I just guarantee it's not you. Um, I guarantee this person does not listen to this podcast, but there was a reading that I had um, with a person that was so deeply triggering to me that I literally wanted to burn my tarot cards (laughs) after I read for her um, because I was like I feel like I can't get the energy of this person like off of me and it was like no amount of of Palo Santo salt Florida water by the way Florida water do you want to sponsor me um no no amount of anything was really helping me and i kind of told this to my my therapist and she said well you know the reading could have like re-traumatized or re-triggered you in some way and it may not be sort of a question of cleansing it's more of a question of you know examining the re-traumatization <laughs> uh and then even further at a um, at the trauma workshop that I recently went to, we learned about the concept of vicarious trauma, which is sort of the phenomenon of like a um, counselor or a social worker being re-traumatized by like the stories that they hear from their their patient or their client or whatnot. And there, I basically put together that there are there have been some times where that has happened to me um in a reading and I just wanted to put that out there it's not to scare you it's not to tell you not to do psychic readings it's not to tell you to not do tarot readings but but just in case anybody has ever experienced something like that where they felt like what the fuck why isn't this sage working why isn't the energy of this reading getting off of me um well It's not necessarily because you're not cleansing properly. It might just be that you need to process the reading. Um, You may need to verbalize um, it to another person. You may need to allow someone to hold space for you in order to process that. And that would be, you know, therapy is cleansing um, in some way. Um, Okay, so let's get to the question. So Soph uh youth asked what are your favorite types of meditation and what is your favorite time of day to meditate uh i would say that um my favorite type of meditation i think would just be kind of i i try to meditate pretty much every morning although come on like i'm not gonna sit here and be like i meditate every morning at 7 a.m um some days it doesn't happen guys and that's just because i'm human but when I do meditate, I like to listen to, um, like, like on Spotify, they have singing, a singing bowl radio. So I'll put on singing bowl radio and I'll um, listen to some nice singing bowl sounds and I'll sink into meditation. And, um, I find that once I kind of surpass the, um, the resistance to meditating. Once I'm actually physically meditating and I'm like kind of feel like um, I'm like clearing my mind, I, I feel like I don't want to come out of it sometimes. So I think different types of meditation that you can do that have really helped me uh, meditating with music in the background. And I'm not talking like Taylor Swift, but I'm talking like, you know, maybe some kind of drum beats or singing bowls, um, some kind of percussion instrument. Uh, It's scientifically proven that drum beats actually rewire the way the brain thinks it makes it easier for us to reach the state of meditation uh we can do walking meditation so if you if you go in the woods don't put in your headphones you know walk around really focus in on each step you're taking take each step with intention that is what a walking meditation is we can also meditate in the bath some people find it easier to meditate in water um which is which is awesome and there's a million ways we can meditate so try, try to make it creative for you and if Sitting and meditating in silence seems too intimidating. Don't start with that. You know, start with something easier. Also, I find it to be so much easier to meditate while I'm outside versus inside. Uh, So that may be um, a tip for some of you. And on that note, Lauren, you said, I have the most difficult time meditating. What helped you develop a meditation practice? (sighs) Again, it's like anything that we want that is good for you, we're resistant to. (laughs) So it's sort of like getting past that initial resistance. And something that really helped me um, was to seek out meditation groups in my community. So I've found that there are many yoga studios who offer meditation groups or... um, Yoga studios, metaphysical shops, um, you know, search for a meditation group in your area. Start one yourself. You know, maybe you and a couple friends really want to learn to meditate. Set a time every Sunday at 2 o'clock for one hour. We're going to try to meditate together. Um, Going to a meditation group has been something that's been really helpful for me. Um, It's kind of held me accountable. So if there is a week that goes by where... I have kind of avoided meditating within myself, uh, just knowing that, okay, I'm going to show up to my meditation group this week, at least I did it once a week, right? So if the the thought of doing it every single day is too overwhelming, just set it, set the goal to do it once a week, you know, like don't, don't over push, don't push yourself um, to, to in this unrealistic goal. Um, because if we if we have this unrealistic goal that doesn't fit into our life, then we're setting ourselves up for failure. Don't set yourself up for failure when it comes to meditation. Just do what you can. And Allison, you said, how often do you feel the need to cleanse crystals or tarot decks? I actually think I I feel the need to cleanse my crystals more often than my tarot decks, um, because there's crystals are. Like things from the earth, and a lot of crystals that I use, like for instance, on my reading table. Um, like on my reading table, I have a selenite wand, I have a Shiva lingam, I have a big piece of fluorite, I have different other. Shit going on. Um, crystals absorb energy, right? So I feel like pretty much every after every single um, after a day of reading, I will cleanse my crystals. And if you are noticing that your crystal isn't working as well as it used to, it's probably because it has soaked up a lot of energy and wants to be cleansed. Uh, so the new moon and the full moon are great times to cleanse your crystals. Um, I think new moons are supposed to remove energy from your crystals and then full moons are supposed to charge your crystals. Um, But, I also set my crystals on um, in like a bowl of salt and a lot of my crystals just sit in there in that bowl of salt until I'm ready to use them too. Now as far as tarot decks another person has asked me this recently if it's just a deck for yourself I would say you don't really need to cleanse it all that often like if It's not like if ever, but I would say cleansing a deck um, when it first comes out of the package seems like a really valid thing. But then if it's just being used for yourself, actually, I would say you want to put your energy into the deck. So if you're constantly cleansing your deck that you only use on yourself, you're basically like bleaching it of all the energy that you're trying to put in the deck so so I would say personal decks I wouldn't cleanse them actually that often if you're using decks on others um I probably cleanse cleanse my tarot decks like that I use on others maybe like anywhere from once a week to once every three weeks. Um, I don't know why I don't feel, I feel like the energy of the cards, um, I almost want to maintain the energy of the cards more than I want to cleanse them. Um, I don't know, some people could be, could have way differing opinions on this. I'm sure there's people that um, cleanse their decks after every single reading and that's totally fine. I also think that I don't typically have my clients touch my decks. Um, So because I'm the only one touching and handling the deck, then maybe this is why I feel that way. Versus if you are the kind of reader who has their client shuffle your own deck, then I could see why you may want to cleanse it more often. And Janie, you asked such a good question. You said, grounding tips before a reading to really tune in. Yes. Thank you. Um, that is something that I've been learning as well. I am a student here with you. Um, I have recently, you know, discovered that, you know, we, we do need to, not recently, but I've, I've discovered along the way that we need to be grounded and we sort of need to find the middle ground between being grounded and being open at the same time during a reading. And I and I thought of um, I asked spirit, how do I really communicate what I've learned? And they just literally showed me a seed in soil kind of grow- growing and grounding its roots into the soil and then the the stem of the flower shooting up from the earth and then the flower blooming its petals and that was spirit's way of showing me how our energy should be balanced literally in a psychic reading our feet should be rooted into the ground. So we can sort of imagine before each reading our roots coming down into the earth's core. But then we can also imagine a flower or um, whatever whatever at the top of your head kind of blooming open. So so our crown chakra is open, but our, our feet are securely in the ground. And um, this, I'm going to read you too, Janie. This really helped me. Um, this is from the Psychic Tarot by Craig Junjulis. It's a pretty old book but he has some really good tips and he's talking about the crown chakra and this really made sense to me. He said one side of the crown chakra draws in healing energy into the spinal column while the opposite side referred to as the exhaust port, releases unwanted energy completely free of the aura. Working with these two areas of the crown chakra would be particularly useful for a psychic tarot reader. Instead of absorbing the problems, unwanted or negative energy of the seeker, as can happen, the reader receives them and allows them to pass through and out of this area of the chakra. Okay, so what Craig Janjulis is really saying is like, there are two sides of the crown chakra, if we can imagine, and I will literally imagine, um, oh my god, this is the most ridiculous um, metaphor, but you know, like, those like, douchey frat boys, like we see in movies, who like, have that helmet on, and it has like, a beer on the top of it, and they're like, drinking out of those long straws, like, it's like, basically like a beer helmet, (laughs) That's kind of what I imagine I'm wearing in a psychic reading. And when he says that there's one side of the crown chakra that's that's receiving the energy from spirit and there's another side of the crown chakra that's kind of the release valve where we're maintaining a steady flow of energy, um, you know, where we're releasing any negativity, we're not absorbing it. It's kind of like that beer helmet. Like imagine you have on a beer helmet and one valve is like your information and then another or one straw is like your information and the other side of the straw is like your release and what he said about um, not picking up on the negativity of other people who are across from you, that's, oh, that's something that I've struggled with for sure in psychic readings where, um, where like, I haven't trusted in spirit enough at times to really give me the message straight from the crown chakra. And I'll find myself sometimes like tapping into the energy of the person across, if that makes sense. So it's sort of like, and when we, when we're too engrossed in the person's energy across from us that's when that re-traumatization happens that's when we're we're not correctly managing our energy it's sort of um like we need to sort of get our information from the crown chakra and that's how we stay i think the most protected the most shielded and we also give our best psychic readings when when we're really we have those valves open one more thing, and I'll stop blabbing. Um, an exercise that I recently, um, recently, kind of learned is um, if we, if actually, you can do this right now. If you're, if you're in a place where you can, um, if you can um, put out your right hand out in front of you, and then your left hand lifting it up to the sky. And I want you to take a deep breath and just feel what is going on in the left hand that's pointing up to the sky and what is going on in the right hand, which is extending outwards. Okay, and um, without judgment, I want you to close the left hand that's up in the sky and feel what's happening in on the right side. Okay. And now I want you to switch. Now I want you to close your right palm and feel what's happening in on the left side now. Okay, And then now switch back and forth between opening and closing each left and right palm and see how the energy is flowing differently. Um, so ideally we want to feel like a steady flow of energy from that left side right because the left side is pointing upward that indicates that we're we're channeling the energy of spirit we're channeling the energy of God and the energy of spirit is universal so that sort of well never runs out right and we're channeling that down our left side and bringing that energy to the right so we're bringing that energy into the human world Um, if we close our left side off to spirit and our right side is still overflowing with energy that's to say that we are literally giving our energy to the person across from us and that's actually what we don't want to do because if we're giving our energy to the person across from us they're going to leave the reading feeling really great we're gonna leave the reading feeling exhausted, and um, and just really tired, and we're not gonna be feeling rested and rejuvenated. We're gonna be feeling ugh. Okay, so it's sort of a practice, and it's something that I'm learning too along the way, and I've made these mistakes, and I- I've had to. I've again, like I said, I had to learn these things the hard way this year. <laughs> And, uh, if that doesn't make sense, DM me and I'll try to like, (laughs) I'll send you a video or something. Um, but, but I hope that helps in some way guys. Uh, and thank you so much for inquiring about, um, grounding and cleansing specifically. And if you have any more questions on this topic, again, I'm probably going to do more episodes on this topic. I think it's really important and I'm sure that, as I kind of go along my quest, I'll, I'll kind of learn more about, you know, this kind of connection and um, these ways of connection and even better ways to ground and cleanse. So thank you so much for listening. Happy Sagittarius new moon. If you um, are listening to this and you don't follow me on Instagram, I would really appreciate you guys um, doing so. I post a lot of daily polls, um, different, different, spiritu- different spiritual topics. I sometimes post videos when Instagram TV actually lets me upload a video, which is not often. But, <laughs> um, but pl- give me a follow if you have an Instagram. And if you feel called to um, my everything that you need to know about me is in the show notes. Thank you guys. I'll talk to you guys next time.